Hello, this is Lizzie from the Westerverse, and uh, this is my campaign diary. So, a while ago, if you've watched our YouTube videos, you probably would have seen that I started some on YouTube, and then for various reasons, I decided that it was a lot of work to end up doing videos um and it just took a lot of time, and I felt like that was time I could dedicate more towards my game and the podcast, so I stopped doing videos online. Um, but I realized that I still have a lot of stuff with my game that I want to share that I can't do if I don't do campaign diaries. So after a long time, <laughs> let me see, how long has it been? I think the first video for the campaign diaries was last summer? maybe August. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm picking this up again. Um, hopefully if you're listening to this, uh, you've already been listening to the Guardians of Fahal podcast. And if you have, I really appreciate it. I really love that we're doing this as a podcast, you know, and that people seem to be enjoying it. That means a lot to me. Um, especially just because I love spending time with my friends who I play with and I just think they're all wonderful people. And so the thought that there are others that are listening and think they're awesome too, that just makes me really happy. So I love my friends and I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, let's see, this probably should have a structure, but I don't have anything written down. So, um, these are going to be a little bit more of my personal reflections of the game, how I think it's going so far. They're not going to be super structured like Talk Dungeon to me is or even the actual podcast. These are much more um, open and raw and I'll try not to give too many spoilers, but that might be really hard. I'm bad at keeping secrets and I just want to share all of my ideas, but you know, I got to be patient. Pace this. Pace this stuff. So, yeah, let's talk about um, the Guardians of Fall game. Um, if you haven't listened to the first Q&A we did, here's a little bit of my background with playing Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I started playing in 2013. Um, the first game I was in was 3-5, and then I played Pathfinder for a little bit, and I still play Pathfinder with friends, but um, mostly I'm in 5th edition now. I'm also a fantasy nerd. I like reading. I'm trying to write my own novel and avoiding it, um, <laughs> which is the crux of most writers. Sometimes you just get those bursts of inspiration, and then you're like, oh, I don't want to sit down and write about it, so I'm going to avoid it and do everything else possible. So you could even say I'm doing that right now, but I feel like this is more productive because this is actually talking about another form of storytelling I do, which is DMing. Um... I don't remember if I mentioned it in the Q&A, but the Guardians of Fahal podcast is actually my first D&D game I've, I've DM'd for. Um, it wasn't the first session I ever did, but it definitely is the first game I've ever run. And yeah, it's quite the experience so far. Um, I basically had been in a lot of games, and I just... I really had the urge to try to run my own game because I like telling stories and being a DM just appealed to me because it's like, 
oh, I get to tell a master story, but then I also get to have like my friends, you know, give input and help tell whatever story they have for their character. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but I was actually kind of scared to do it. I don't know why, but like there was part of me that was just like, oh, I'm not going to be good at this. I'm not good at remembering the rules. I'm not like talented enough to do this. And what actually really changed it for me was watching Critical Role. Not not specifically, um, you know, that made me want to DM. It definitely helped because the way that Matt DMs, I feel like, is a method that I can relate to because he's very invested in, like, telling a story. And a lot of the other D&D games I had been in before had not been as story-focused, and that was something I always wanted more of. And then I was like, oh, man, like... Matt makes his games story based and you know they're really good and people can enjoy them. So maybe maybe I can do it. Like just because like I don't remember all the rules and I don't have all the books memorized and I don't really care about the mechanics as much. You know, maybe maybe I can do this. And then I kind of put it off again for a while. Um and then I remember like watching Marisha's Honey Heist game and seeing her do that really gave me the confidence to to run my own game. And I don't know why it seems really silly and people might say, oh, you're just like an SJW. But the truth is, is like seeing like Marisha, a female, like actually run a game was really powerful to me because in all of the games I'd been in, like males had always been the DMs. So seeing her do that and like the comparison of her husband, Matt, being the normal DM and she just rocked it. It kind of made me think that maybe I could do it because um, for those of you who don't know, the one of the games I'm in and the games I've been in before have been run by my husband. So actually have a similar dynamic to Matt and Marisha. So I was a little bit like, oh, I'll never be as good of a DM as Josh. And then I was kind of like, no, that's stupid. I should still try. I have stories I want to tell. And I'm sure Josh wants to like actually play in more games. So yeah, that's kind of what got me into wanting to be a DM. Uh, after that long ass intro of me rambling, um, let's actually talk about Guardians of Fahal for a bit. For Guardians of Fahal, um, the initial idea I had for it was a long term campaign, but I knew that I should, um, test it out first. One thing that people who know me well, um, I'm very much an idea person and if I get an idea and like I get impassioned about it, I will just go for it and usually I don't always like take the necessary steps to kind of like make sure it succeeds first. Like I'm much more of like, oh my God, there's this burst of inspiration. I'm going to, I'm just going to chase it. I don't care if I'm actually like, you know, prepared or not. I just got to go for it. And I was really like in this spirit of like, oh my God, I'm just inspired by these ideas for like my, these players in this world. Um, I want to chase it. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should actually make sure I like being a DM. So maybe I should do a one shot. Um, and if you're wondering where the idea for the actual campaign came from, this is a little bit uh, strange, but like, I don't know, maybe it's not that strange, but um, I mentioned earlier that I'm trying to write a novel, and when I started the Guardians of Fahal game, I was about halfway through the first draft of my novel, which basically takes place a hundred 
ish years before the Guardians of Fahal game begins. And it is set in a world where I was very much inspired by, I know, medieval history. You know, just so original for fantasy. But um, I was really inspired by the fact that after the Roman Empire fell, there was a lot of lost knowledge in the world that happened. And I kind of liked that idea of like magic leaving. And then um, in D&D, you obviously have like paladins and clerics. So there's still some sort of magic, but it's like divine magic. So I like the idea of like arcane magic going away and then there being like a dark age for that. And then anything that was arcane was associated with like the fae or with devils and demons, which were bad and you didn't want that. So my story that I'm working on kind of takes place with uh, a woman who kind of re-engages with that culture of the Fae. And so the after effects of what happened in that story that I'm working on is what the setting for my current game is in. So right now in the world, it's kind of an era where magic is starting to become more prominent, like this specific type of arcane magic the Fae are moving back in. Um, It's it's a time of change. Um, I really think that periods of history when great transitions are going on are super interesting because progress is usually very slow and even though you have a lot of cool leaps forward and you have a lot of cool cultural bleed that comes over when another culture um maybe not integrates but starts blending in with another one you you have a lot of cool things that come out of that like you get new fashion you get new technology you get new ideas um but then you also have a lot of backlash because there are some people and there's the institutions that are uncomfortable with the changes and they don't want to really lose power because of it and I'm like that's just a cool setting for me I like that so I'm gonna set a D&D campaign there so um yeah, that's where the whole setup for this is. Um, now you kind of understand my world building process. So with all of that in mind, I had this setup for the world. I kind of had um, ideas for what kind of monsters there were in the world. And that was the direction I wanted to take with it. Like just a little low level kind of monster request I was watching Matt Colville's running the game series at the time and I remember that um, his first adventure he like lays out is you know the blacksmith's daughter is like abducted by goblins and it's like a very kind of sweet moving idea that these heroes get to go rescue somebody and the world feels kind of you know blurry around the edges but you can focus on that core thing Um, so I really liked that idea but I didn't want to do exactly that because in my setting goblins aren't necessarily evil I don't really like evil races as a whole like I I still haven't quite figured out what to do with the drow in my world because I like the idea of there being subterranean elves but I don't like it the idea of them just being like an evil matriarchy I think that's really dumb and I also think that it's stupid that like the drow are dark skinned and they live like underground like shouldn't they be really pale if they're never in the sun like shouldn't the drow really have more of like a cool like empire like under the sun and like they're like sand bending and stuff like that I don't know that's that's what I kind of want to do for drow but like I haven't quite found like 
a place for that yet in my world. So eventually, eventually. But goblins, um, goblins, I kind of have the idea of there being more of like the nomadic wild tribes of them that kind of wander around and are more mercenary. But otherwise, like goblins are very similar to how halflings are traditionally, where they're traders and they like to, um, they like to just set up these communities of farming, uh, goblins are really into actually like agriculture in my setting and they have like some of the best like crops <laughs> and you're probably like what and I mean there's I'm, I'm taking influence from like a couple things here but one of them is um was this really beautiful poem that I remember reading in um English lit class by Christine Rossetti called the goblin market where there's like these goblins and they sell like this enchanted fruit that once you have it you want to keep eating it and so I just kind of borrowed that idea I really like the idea of goblins being like tinkerers and also like innovators with crops so they have like the best peaches and the best apples um so it's like I can't do goblins so I really like the fae in general um I think they're fun antagonists because they're normally like you're never quite sure if they're good or bad and I like that in my villains so I was looking through stuff online and I found these uh fake creatures called darklings and um I'm like these are cool these kind of could stand in for like the goblins but uh then I was like well okay what like that, that, that alone isn't that interesting. So I, I kind of started just building out this idea of, you know, the Darklings abducted this kid for something. And then the heroes, like my players, were going to go off on this one shot and like rescue the kid. And then um, that's basically how the one shot came to be that was essentially the session zero for Guardians of Bahal. Um and it was a little bit of a different lineup than it is in my current game. Um, the main people who were in it are obviously, um, well, I shouldn't say obviously, y'all weren't there. Unless you were somehow. You got scrying eyes and you you would spy on me. But, um, like, no. The people who were in this first session zero were obviously my husband Josh and then Andrew because they kind of are a set pair as Hans and Franz. And um, they were in it. And then uh, Sam and Aaron were both in it. And then I had another co-worker in it. And then I had uh, Sam's husband was in it. And he was a water genasi, and my other coworker was um, a beast master ranger, and she had like a she was a halfling, and she was riding a wolf, um, and it was really cool. And then I had um, my friend from out of town, who eventually is going to make a guest appearance in our game. Uh, she played a thief rogue, and. Um, did like did a Scottish accent and I give her props for it because I feel like it's really hard to do accents um and she, and she's stuck with it for most of the game when she makes her guest appearance I have no idea if she's gonna keep it because now there's like pressure with it being a recording but it was kind of like you know just the group as it was and a lot of them had some backstory stuff um Sam and Aaron knew that they were like adopted siblings that lived in kind of like an like an elf village that is a little bit secretive um we didn't have all the details of that hashed out but we kind of knew that they were leaving home to make money um we knew that 
uh, Josh and Andrew's characters were exiled from their tribe. Um, I don't, I don't honestly remember if we had established all the details. I think I knew that he, he had killed the totem. Um, well, wait, fuck. Um, (laughs) I think I knew why we're going to cut that, (laughs) cut that for spoilers. I think I knew why they were exiled. Um, at that time, but I hadn't really done a lot of work with like their gods or their totems or anything. I knew that we had them, we had the totems laid out because Josh had the bee and um, stuff like that. But it was it was a lot more simplistic. Um, and yeah, basically, I had them all start off like on a riverboat arriving in the city of Fayan, which is the capital of the area they're in, known as the Wind Plains. Um, and they arrived and they were having dinner and they got paid. And then there was like this young teenage girl that just burst through the doors and was crying. And like, she was trembling and she was short of breath and the hem of her dress was caked in mud and was like torn, like, and there were scratches on her arms and like there was brambles in her hair. And someone like was like, oh my goodness, isn't that the guild master's daughter? And then basically everyone was like silent all the players were silent for a minute and I basically was like, Oh my God, they've abducted him. My brother's been abducted. And, um, basically I gave them a chance to figure out what had happened. And her, she was like 14 and her like toddler brother had been grabbed by like fairies, um, in the woods and the party went to go and find him. And it was like sunset. So they didn't have that much longer, but fortunately, uh, my coworkers character as a ranger had survival and um I kind of tipped my hand and told her to pick Faye as a favored enemy so they they managed to track it successfully um you know that's kind of the thing I don't know like as a DM like for a one shot if that's necessarily wrong to do but I kind of was like no make your favorite make your favorite enemy uh Faye like they were level three I'm like just just make your favorite enemy Faye and maybe that's spoilers but it's like eh, it's a one shot it's fine <laughs> I think for my game now with Megan's Ranger that uh we kind of had to pick her favorite terrains and based on like you know what she was near so she has coast which kind of sucks because they're not by the coast but you know I try to give her other cool moments so yeah um I had them traipsing through the forest at sunset and it was like a a race through the dark um they managed to encounter the uh two darkling scouts and then they had blink dogs which I love blink dogs I just think they're cool monsters I love their teleportability um I just think they're interesting like creatures and I don't know why I think to me like the idea that they could be sweet pets if you train them right and then like you know the players have to choose whether they um, you know, kill them is kind of like interesting to me. I mean, they didn't really seem to have many qualms about, you know, killing them. I, I would have, but like, that's cause I love puppies. <laughs> like I love, I love dogs and cats. I'm such an animal person. Um, and, um, so they fought them and then I, I had them have a chance to encounter, like, I kind of wanted like not just a combat encounter, and I put like a uh, what is it, a nereid, yeah, a nereid in there for them to encounter. Which, if you don't know, like in 
traditional like mythology traditional like there's not really one true source but um usually in mythology uh nereids are more of like water fairies um where they're like bound to like a body of water um kind of like a like a river nymph or like a pool like a spring nymph or something like that or um dryads are usually like the tree form of it where like it's a plant and then they live in a tree but yeah, I, I had them run into, like, this Nereid creature that was just kind of sitting and enjoying, like, the evening and was, like, had a very Luna Lovegood disposition and told them, like, oh, yeah, I saw the Darklings run off with the child and, um, yeah, the the place where they took him, something's wrong with that part of the forest. It's, it's, un, it's unusually st- strange. It's been corrupted somehow yeah that's how she talked Uh, like it's a very easy voice for me to do um and that was kind of me trying to give them a hint that there was probably something more nasty there than um just just these darkling creatures which um I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent here and talk about why I like the darkling the darkling creatures um so I find that the mythology stuff that they usually write for monsters in D&D to kind of be lacking sometimes, but I really thought it was interesting that, like, the Darklings are kind of considered to be creatures of the summer court of the Fae, which is usually considered less less dickish than the winter court. Um, so Darklings have this thing where because that they were creatures of, like, the summer court and they did something to really anger the queen of the summer court she like cursed them and they really love beautiful things and um they basically have this death burst where like when they die they like a burst of radiant light explodes from their body essentially and then it blinds a creature for like one round which i think is cool i have noticed like i don't have a lot of combat in my game but i've noticed i've picked quite a few monsters that have like that death burst ability like the darklings have it um the elementals i had them fight in the actual first episode that got published had it there's been a couple other monsters that i've looked at for down the road that have it and i'm just like why do i have this thing where like once they kill it it explodes i don't understand why i keep picking monsters like that but i think they're fun um but regardless so the darklings um to me were never going to be like you know, the master schemers. Um, and I had them working for a green hag, which, you know, are cool. I really like hags as villains, even though, like, I don't know, as somebody who considers herself very feminist, I kind of have um, thoughts about the concept of hags as, like, you know, these old women that are evil because usually hags and spinsters and witches in, like, real life were usually targeted by society for not conforming to like the roles of what a woman was supposed to be in society so like as a as a trope I find them a little kind of like troubling because it's like oh you know they're evil because they're old women or they're not beautiful or if they are beautiful it's a trap and I'm like that's that's troubling to me but I also still really like them because they're cool villains and like you know they they do potions and you can have them be like evil if you want or you could have them just be like doing their own thing um this one was evil this one was kidnapping a child and that that does make you evil for kidnapping like a child and uh so they went to this like area that got turned like her it's part of the forest which uh the forest they're trudging through is actually kind of a bigger 
thing in my game. Um, I was really inspired by like the great, like, what is it called? It's like the massive forest in Germany where like a lot of these stories for like Grimm's fairy tales came out of because it's just such a big creepy forest that's like date can take days to travel or if you look at photos of like the primeval I know it's that sounds like weird but there's a forest and I think it's in Poland that's called like the primeval forest and it's just massive and it's really cool and forests can be very creepy because there's a lot of creatures that can be lurking in there. And the one that they're exploring um, in my world called the Cater Forest is notorious for having, like, magical stuff there. Like, there's stories of, like, fairies and, like, dark creatures and whatever, like, lurking around. And then, of course, there's just the average dangers of, like, you know, bears and wolves and everything like that. Um, I think that uh, as a modern society kind of removed from nature, we forget how actually dangerous it is when all you've got is like a little knife and like maybe a bow and arrow. <laughs> like, you know, we don't have our machine gun out there to mow down the bears and wolves. It's it's a lot scarier, um, especially for like the average person in my setting who doesn't have magic. Like you can't just fire bolt those things. So forest is kind of dangerous. And I, I like that as a, as a concept. Um but anyway, so they arrive, they fight more Darklings, and then they fight the hag. And I was really proud of it. I did a cool, creepy hag voice. And I could see my players' faces was actually creeped the hell out. Because I I thought I made this layer really cool sounding. And I had a picture of it pulled up. And I was just describing the fact that, like, there's all these jars and stuff and weird vials. And there's all these knives and stuff. And there's, like, a giant tree trunk in the center with, like, this little two-year-old boy, like tied to it like in chains and like there's knives by him and he's unconscious but it's like a, oh god this is scary and then there's just like this hag that like just says something really creepy I think basically they said oh, what did they say this was over a year ago but I I think they said something like along the lines of like you know if you get in my way like I'll eat your heart out too but I, I delivered it much more cool and menacing I thought it was at the time and then the, the fight began, and this was my first mistake as a DM, is, like, I didn't have layer actions for the hag, and, like, honestly, they took care of the hag in, like, four rounds, and it was because I had her alone with just, like, the Darkling general, and I did get one good surprise on them. He blinded, like, half of them, like, in the initial first round, um, and that did kind of... Uh, make combat a little bit more challenging for a bit but then they kind of quickly overcame that problem and it's like oh now they're just getting they're ganging up on this hag and like just beating the hell out of her and like it was over pretty quickly and it made me sad I was like oh I really should have had the hag have like layer actions but by this point like the game had been it was nearing like four hours and I was like okay okay I gotta like you know for a one shot, I gotta keep this tight. I gotta wrap it up. Um, so they they rescued the kid. They take him back to the city, and it's like really early, early morning, if you'd even call it that. Like it was probably only like three or four o'clock when they got back to the guild hall. And the kid's parent is there, and his sister is there, and he's just very grateful for them for rescuing his son. And then he asks them to like meet with him and later in the day because he wants to give them like a personal thanks and offer them something um and then that was kind of where we wrapped it up and that was basically my session zero um I was so nervous I don't know why I just I had psyched myself up so 
much beforehand and I was actually like having like a terrible like migraine and like shaking and it was really it was really awful because my friend who uh, is making a guest appearance eventually Lauren who is the the thief rogue in the game um was here hanging out because she lives out of town and she she was hanging out and she was trying to talk to me and you know just chat about stuff and then I was just like not able to concentrate but my husband uh Josh was so sweet he like came over and just started like massaging my shoulders and like rubbing my head and trying to get like my body to relax so (laughs) I stopped giving myself a headache um and then you know he was just telling me it's gonna be okay and it really did go well I think the only thing I regret is like not making the hag fight a little bit tougher um but you know that's kind of I feel like the the main theme with my combats right now is they're not usually very tough until all of a sudden they are and we'll get to that I think it's an episode four of the podcast where uh I thought something wasn't going to be as tough as it was and then it was and I almost killed one of my players characters um so yeah we'll we'll get to that later but overall that was my that was the beginning of this campaign and the beginning of this podcast and I don't think if people were so invested in their characters before we even started this we probably like wouldn't have done this as a podcast but everyone was really into their characters like Sam and Aaron and I would just talk over our lunch breaks at work about their characters and their dynamic and what they were going to be like and then there was a couple times where um we would play D&D um, with Andrew because we were in other friends' games with him at the time. And, you know, we would just talk about, like, their characters and Hans and Franz's dynamic. And uh, that might be its own episode, but I think for now you kind of get an idea of what my initial setup for this game was. You know, we didn't record it. We didn't know we were going to do a podcast at the time. I would not have been comfortable with doing a recording of it considering it was my first time ever DMing. It was very scary. But, um, yeah, that's that's how this all started. Um, they rescued the Guildmaster's son and made their first steps into being heroes, and I was very proud of them. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably enough for this first episode. Or a little ways, you know, a little ways. Hopefully you found this entertaining. Um if you guys want to know more about how this one shot went or specifically how I prepped it, um, you can contact us through Patreon. If you are a Patreon member, uh, you can actually message us and or comment directly under the post. Um, otherwise, you can also reach out to us via our email address on our website, which is our website is thewesterverse.com, and you could email us at info at the Westerverse, and in case you're curious, Wester is spelled W-E-S-T-E-R, and then verse, V-E-R-S-E dot com. That is our podcast email. So yeah, if you guys have more questions or you want me to do more of these or just have other stuff you want to ask about, um, I'll try to answer it. Um, thanks so much for listening. I i feel so weird i don't know how to end this (laughs) like um i'm just really happy you guys uh tuned in for this and hopefully you found it interesting um i do like to ramble a bit but hopefully you enjoyed my tangents and yeah um tune in next time i'm gonna talk about the actual first session session where we 
met Megan's character that unfortunately did not get recorded. We tried to, and the mics failed. So I'll kind of give a summary of what happened in that session. And that way, if you're just dying to know what happened before the first podcast episode, you know, you can you can finally know. The secret will be revealed. So yeah, until next time, I'll see you all later.